Now, turn with me this evening to Genesis chapter 12. Sorry, Genesis chapter 11. We're going to read from the verse 27. Genesis chapter 11. Now, for those of you who were here last week, we preached on the subject, uh, spiritual lessons from the donkey. And as I said this morning, I received a challenge uh, and I had mentioned maybe doing a short series on the animals of the Bible and the challenge was uh, why not do the woman of the Bible and um, well I, I left it with the Lord and the Lord has brought certain thoughts not only about certain animals but certain women as well uh, again to mind uh, so maybe we'll intersperse the time uh, between looking at the woman of the Bible and some of the animals of the Bible. But both, of course, are fascinating by way of study. So let's just read tonight Genesis chapter 11 and verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah is the father of Abraham. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father, Terah, in the land of his nativity, in the Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. The days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Now turn with me in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to read another passage of scripture. 1 Peter chapter 3. Just a very short reading. 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3 
verses 1 through to 6. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 6, and we pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this evening is taken from Genesis chapter 11, verses 29 and 30. And it says there, And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah. The name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and the father of Iscah. But Sarah was barren. She had no child. And I want to link it up with First Peter chapter 3. And verse 6, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Now my subject this evening is looking at Sarah, the pattern for all Christian women. You see, the Apostle Peter is writing to born-again believers in his day who are facing persecution. And he's addressing the women in the church in general, and wives in particular, when he comes to 1 Peter chapter 3. And he addresses them in verse 6 as the daughters of Sarah. Now, Sarah is held up by the Apostle Peter as a pattern for all Christian women who believe. The first time that Sarai is mentioned in the Bible is mentioned in Genesis 11, verse 29. The name of Abraham, or Abram's wife, was Sarai. Now we're introduced to her, this is the first time that she's mentioned, as the wife of Abraham. We're told again in Genesis 11 verse 31 that Terah took Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife with them 
out of Ur of the Chaldees and ended up in a place called Haran. Let's link it up with Genesis chapter 12 and verse 5. It says, And Abram took Sarai his wife. Now the Holy Spirit tells us nothing about Sarah's background. We don't know whose daughter she is. We don't know where she lived. We don't even know when or how Abraham and her got married. It's interesting that the Holy Spirit just introduces us to Sarah and tells us three times that she is Abraham's wife. This is the emphasis of the Holy Spirit. And we just have to to bow to the silence of God and wonder in amazement at this woman who was introduced to us. Because this woman, Sarah, as we link it up with the New Testament, 1 Peter 3 and 6, is held up as a pattern for all Christian women. Listen to uh, 1 Peter 3 and 6 again. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. And tonight, rather than deal with just a Bible animal, which we could have done, I want us to think this evening of this Christian woman that the Bible calls Sarah. Looking at Sarah as a pattern for all Christian women. Because when I thought of the woman of the Bible, I thought of Sarah through the week. And I asked myself this question. What was Sarah really like? Does the Bible tell us? And there's three things that we learn about Sarah. I want you to think, first of all, of the beauty of the holiness of her heart. You see, when we read the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, chapter 12 in particular, the Bible tells us that Sarah was very beautiful to look upon. Look at Genesis, chapter 12, and verse 11. Behold now, this is what Abraham said to her as they're about to enter into Egypt. I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. And the word fair here in the Hebrew means beautiful. And the Bible, of course, does take note of the beauty of certain women. We could look up references to do with Leah and Rachel and Bathsheba and Esther and others. Now here's Abraham saying to this woman that he has been married to, just outside the land of Egypt, I know that thou art a beautiful woman to look upon. Let's come to verse 14. And it came to pass when Abraham was come into Egypt, The Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair. (coughs) And this is a reference, I believe, folks, to her outward beauty. This is a reference to her physical appearance. 
Now, let me ask this question. As the wife of Abraham, what was Sarah's priority? Was it taken up with her outward beauty? Or was it something else? What was her chief concern and goal? What was her top priority? And I'm going to say tonight that I believe that her top priority was, listen to me, the spiritual condition of her heart. Sarah's top priority was that she knew and loved the Lord. That she was a true believer. That that she was saved by the grace of God. And you're going to say to me, but I don't read that in the Bible. That this woman that Abraham said was beautiful, that the Egyptians said was beautiful. Where do you get that? The spiritual condition of her heart was her number one priority. Let's compare scripture with scripture. That's the hermeneutical principle, isn't it? Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. Look with me at verse 3 and 4. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time the holy woman also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands even as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord you see the word adorning here in verse 3 whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning the word outward adorning refers to the world the Greek word is actually the word cosmos which speaks of the created order There is a created order in the universe. Don't let it be that outward adorning, that worldly adorning. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, is of great price. In other words, Sarah knew. That there was an order. And the spiritual comes first. The spiritual is the main priority. It's not the outward adorning of one's physical appearance. It's the spiritual that comes first. It's the spiritual condition of one's heart. Now this text of course is used by some Wrongly, I believe that Christian women should not look after their appearance. Christian women shouldn't wear any jewellery or Christian women shouldn't plait their hair. I want to tell you, I believe that's a distortion of the text. I believe that's not a correct interpretation of the text. You see, there is an order here. The spiritual's first. And then that which is physical and material comes after. 
What is most important in the life of a Christian woman is the spiritual, is to know God, to to trust in him, to, to know that one is a true believer. You see, if we link this verse up with Genesis chapter 12, 11, Genesis chapter 12 and 14, Sarah didn't neglect her appearance as Abraham's wife. Her husband told her, you're a beautiful woman. And the Egyptians, of course, the minute they saw her, they said she was very beautiful. They they, they complimented her. She was a woman of outward beauty. She was looking after herself. Kept herself, I believe, neat and tidy. Abraham, remember, was 75 years old at this time. Sarah was 10 years younger. She was 65. Here's a woman at 65. She didn't neglect herself. She didn't let herself go as far as her outward appearance is concerned. She would have took care of herself. She would have took an interest in her appearance. And that, of course, is not wrong. It's not wrong to have your hair done. Or not wrong to to dress nicely. Or even it's not wrong to wear jewellery. Of course, as Pastor Willie Moan would have said, and I quote, Don't get decked. The Bible talks about modesty. Don't go overboard. Remember, keep in mind, your first priority is the holiness of your heart, the holiness of your life unto God, because that's what God holds valuable. See, what does God want to see in Christian women? Look at verse 4. But let it be that hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, is great price. See, Sarah had a spirit of meekness. The reference to a meek spirit is a reference to a gentle spirit that endures all things. A woman of even temper, a woman of self-control, a woman who's not going to argue, a woman's not going to fight, a woman's not going to question things. And the reference to quiet spirit is a reference to contentment. Doesn't the Bible say godliness with contentment is great gain? A woman who's not agitated, not a fighter, not a disturber. A woman who's at peace with God and at peace with herself. A woman who knows the tranquility and the confidence of a quiet life. Doesn't the Bible exhort us, study to be quiet? And we're told a spirit of meekness and a spirit of contentment is of great price in the sight of God. What's important to God? Let's ask what's important to you. Is what's important to God important to you? You put the Lord first. Doesn't the Bible say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you? Doesn't it say in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What advantage is it? If you have all the riches that this world can offer, if you're bedecked in the world's fame and fortune, if you go its way, the outward appearance, and neglect the spiritual, Sarah had the beauty of holiness of heart. She was a woman in love with the Lord. 
something else that has intrigued my mind is not only the beauty of her holiness of heart, but the blessedness of her honour toward her husband. Look again at verse 6 of Peter chapter 3. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. I want you to think tonight of the blessedness of her devotion. Remember what we have read already in Genesis 11 and on into Genesis chapter 12. I want you to think of this. God called Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees. And were told, get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Hebrews 11 verse 8 tells us that Abraham obeyed God, and went out not knowing whither he went. We read in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And what do we read? Verse 5, And Abram took Sarah his wife. Now we'll pause there. Can you picture Abraham coming into the tent and saying to his wife, Sarah, I want you to pack, dear. I want you to get things ready for moving. We've got to leave our family. We've got to leave our friends. God has called us and we're going on a journey. And she's saying, well, husband dear, where are we going? And him saying, I don't know. But we're going anyway. Because God has told us. Now, how did she react? We don't read of any protest. We don't read of a complaint. She's not judging the sanity or sanctity of her husband. She's called Sarah. And the name Sarah means princess of Jehovah, or Jehovah is prince. And because the Lord was her prince, then her attitude was, where he leads, I will go, for I have learned to trust him. So there's the beauty or the blessedness of her devotion. And notice also the, the blessedness of her subjection. We read in First Peter chapter 3, verse 6, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, now, where did she call him Lord? Did you ever think of that? Well, for that information, you've got to come to Genesis chapter 18. And over there in Genesis chapter 18, we read in verse 12, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, Shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? See, what happens is the Lord has come again. And the Lord is renewing his promise to Abraham. That Abraham is going to have a son through Sarah. He had already given this promise about 27 years earlier. Abraham's now... 99 years old Sarah's 89 and she's at the door of the tent and she heard what God said and what God had said was this 
I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in years, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of the woman. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. She heard God said that Sarah was going to bear a son, and she laughed within herself. And when she was challenged that she laughed, she told a lie. She denied it. She was afraid. There she is displaying her doubt, displaying a spirit of unbelief. Let's remember this for for all her married life. Sarah has lived a life of disappointment. Let's link it up with Genesis chapter thirty and ver- or Genesis chapter eleven and verse thirty. Remember what we read there as part of our text. But Sarai was barren; she had no child. That's a great disappointment for any woman. It was a great disappointment for every Jewish woman, because they hoped to be the mother of the promised Messiah. And Sarai is childless, and yet even in that, we don't read that she grumbled. We don't read that she complained. We don't read that, that she criticized. But what she said, of course, was true. The Lord has restrained me from bearing or, or having a child. The whole matter is really in the Lord's hands. There was, as far as Sarah was concerned, an acceptance of God's will. And she is described rightly, as I've said, uh, as one of the, the holy women who trusted in God. And because she trusted in the Lord, she honored her husband. She was not a woman of the world. She was a woman of the word. She was governed by the word. (coughs) The blessedness of her devotion. The blessedness of her subjection. Let me say something else. Even when Abraham put his wife in the place of danger, she was still in subjection to him. Charles Haddon Spurgeon has said, the best of men are men at best. And Abraham, although he was the father of the faithful, a man of faith, he was still only a man. He made mistakes. There was a time when famine came into the land of Canaan. He took his eyes off the Lord. He lost his nerve. He lost sight of the Lord. He took matter into his own hands and he went down into Egypt. And going down into Egypt, he, he said to her, Look, you're very beautiful. Just you tell them that you're my sister, which was half a truth, but still a lie. And he says that... Um, If we go down to Egypt and you say that you're my wife, they could end up killing me. And out of fear, Abraham put his wife in the place of danger. Men of Egypt, of course, saw Sarah. Very fair, beautiful to look upon. They told Pharaoh. Pharaoh brought Sarah into his palace. See, the amazing thing is that Sarah didn't question her husband. Whatever he said, she was prepared to do. I'm not saying she was guilty of blind devotion. I'm not saying that her blind devotion, if she was guilty of that, was right. She should have spoke up and said to her husband, it's not right to tell a lie. Sarah, of course, was silent at the wrong time because she should have said that to her husband. And then, sadly, she spoke at the wrong time, as we'll come to see. Yet the amazing thing is this, folks. When, when Peter writes of Sarah's life, he doesn't mention her failure he doesn't mention her sin he doesn't talk about her blunders 
He doesn't talk of her unbelief. He doesn't talk of her proposal with Hagar and Abraham. Peter only mentions that which is good, that which is honourable. She obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. See, Peter amazingly only seizes upon that which is good, not that which is godless. Isn't this an illustration? How the Lord has dealt with us. Isn't this an illustration of how the Lord has dealt with us? The Lord deals with us tenderly. The Lord deals with us mercifully. See the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. The Lord sees that which is good. The Lord sees that which is right. He sees that which is perfect. Sarah in the New Testament. And this is what really struck me. No mention of her sin. No mention of her failure. He only holds up what is commendable. She loved the Lord first. She put him first. She loved her husband and had respect for him and put herself in the blessedness of devotion and the blessedness of subjection. And even when he put her in the place of danger, she was silent. And even though it was wrong to be silent, that's where she remained. The blessedness of the honour of her husband. And notice, thirdly, And finally, the blunders of the harmony of the home. You see, the amazing thing is this, that God blessed Sarah. Over there in the book of Hebrews, we read in Hebrews chapter 11, through faith, also Sarah received herself, received strength to conceive seed. And was delivered of a child when she was past aged because she judged him faithful who had promised. Through faith, also Sarah received, herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And that child, of course, was. Isaac. Now, let me make it clear. Sarah was not perfect. Sarah, like us, was a sinner. She knew times of spiritual weakness. She knew unbelief. If you turn over there in conclusion to Genesis chapter 16 and um, look with me at at verse 1. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children. We'll, We'll pause there. Was this in her mind? Remember, she's been married now for quite a number of years. And was she desperate to have a son of her own? And what was she thinking about? It says in verse 1, And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And we're told in verse 2, And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. 
And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. This was her proposal. She, she, she went down a wrong pathway. She, she took a wrong course. She said to Abraham, look, take Hagar. Take her. It may be that I may obtain children by her. In other words, let Hagar be a surrogate mother. Let her bear a child for me. And of course, this was activity that was quite common practice at that time. This was activity that was acceptable in the eyes of the ungodly. There was maids and concubines kept for this very purpose. But the reality is this was immoral behavior. This was an ungodly act. This was not the, the, the norm for the people of God. We can't dress it up. Sarah at this time was really behaving like the world. All around her. And of course we, we think of the 21st century. Young people are told today you don't need to get married. Marriage is old fashioned. Just live together. It's okay. Everybody's doing this. And of course maybe it's popularised by uh, soaps and TV dramas like Friends and so on and so forth. Sarah couldn't wait on the promise of God. She failed to trust despite having the promise told her on two occasions about the seed of Abraham. She reckoned, I'm old now. Abraham's old. And she brought the Lord into it. She said, Behold, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing. She said to Abraham, take my mate. Dr. Bob Jones used to say, and I remember him coming to the college and saying it, it's never right to do wrong to get the opportunity to do right. <coughs> it's never right to use an unholy means. If you do, you'll achieve an unholy result here's Sarah trying to put the matter right about a child and she's doing something that's wrong and she makes a big blunder and of course the Bible says they that sow to the wind shall reap the whirlwind the Bible says there's a way which seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death and no matter how holy and good our objectives are if we do wrong to do right it'll fail, it'll crumble in the end you see, the amazing thing is, this didn't solve the problem. This blunder of Sarah's, what did it lead to? It led to bitterness. Did you know that? Look at verse 4. And he went in unto Hagar, that's Abraham, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. In other words, Hagar despised Sarah. And it led to bitterness between them. And it led to bitterness between Sarah and Abraham. Look at verse 5. And Sarah said unto Abraham, My wrong be upon thee. In other words, Husband, this is your fault. <coughs> she turned against her husband. She blamed him. Verse 
There was bitterness between them. And of course it led to division. What did Abraham say to her? Behold thy maid is in thy hand, do to her as it pleaseth thee. And we read, and when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. The word dealt hardly means she afflicted her. Is that a reference to physical violence and abuse as well as verbal? The answer has to be yes. Now, you've got to think of her home where there's an honouring of the husband and there's happiness and there's harmony until these blunders take place. And then it leads to bitterness, it leads to division, it leads to apportioning blame, it leads to abuse. And yet the amazing thing is this, in the mercy of God, because love covers a multitude of sins, what do we read in Genesis chapter 21 and in the verse 6? It says in verse 5, And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. The, the, the boy Isaac, the name Isaac, means laughter. Here she is. How was this possible? You see, this blunder led to bitterness, division and abuse. This was overcome. How was it overcome? Verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 11. Through faith. Through trusting in God. Isn't that what we read in verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 3? Or sorry, verse 5, for after this manner in the old time the holy woman also trusted in God. It was through faith that the blunder was overcome. Faith is forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I take him. Bringing our sins, our unbelief, bringing our bitterness, bringing our, our blunders and laying with thy feet and, and, and saying, Lord, I've sinned against thee. Forgive me in Jesus' name. Cleanse me in the blood. Lord, help me to trust in you. It was through faith that Sarah received the strength to bear a son called Isaac into the world. What about you tonight? Here's the pattern for all women. A pattern for Christian women, <coughs> wives in particular, women in general, even the young women. Do you seek tonight the blessedness or the beauty of holiness of heart? The Lord first in my life. Do you seek the blessedness of honouring your husband? If you have a husband, do you know tonight the blunder of unbelief without the Lord? Maybe you're here tonight and you're full of unbelief. You've been in unbelief in that spirit for many, many years. We say to you, bring your unbelief to the Lord tonight. Say, Lord, I believe, help thy mine unbelief. We will encourage you to get right with the Lord to know the blessedness of communion 
and fellowship with him.